0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Internet
1: Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 124 of Internet Marketing. I'm Andy White and I'm with... Alvin... I don't know
2: I, why I answered it like that you know, I felt like I had to, when it, whenever you say that to me who am I I kind of feel like I have to do it in an interesting voice because I think it's Kelvin
1: uh, Kelvin I think some of the funny things, funniest things you do are, are your very high pitched bye at the end you must yeah. do a very high pitched bye at the end of this show well
2: you know that's, that's how you've got to say bye bye you can't just say bye bye you've got to say bye bye or however it is you decide to do it yeah know. but we don't want to
1: be accused of being camp again do we no
2: we have had that you know, in the past so yeah I'll try and, try, I'll try and lay off the, the falsetto
1: yeah. Okay. So it's a questions and answers today, and we've got four questions on pieces of paper. So you may hear rustling. Uh, first one is from uh, Callum Maka. Um, it, it's a bit of a long one, so you'll have to just bear with my voice. Uh, dear Professor Newman. <laughs> That's a good oh, way to start, well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing I'd say. Um, I've just finished reading your ebook, which I downloaded from ClockworkPirate.com. First, I'd like good, to th- good, you know, good plug there. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you can give me the five or later. First, I'd like to thank you for making your expertise available in this format uh, to us podcast listeners. I found Clockwork Pirate to be a practical and informative. I gave up link building some time ago after becoming frustrated, but I came away from reading your ebook with many new ideas and approaches which I am excited to test out. So I'd like to thank you for rekindling my enthusiasm for link building. <coughs> Sorry, just clear my throat. In a previous podcast, you asked for. For questions from listeners, and I've one that's been floating around in my head for quite a few months. First, a bit of background. I am a Canadian importer and marketer of tangible consumer goods. Since I sell physical products, national boundaries are a major obstacle to doing business. Over the last few years, I've become annoyed with the small size of the Canadian market and have begun contemplating moving to the US and UK markets. It takes a fixed amount of time and effort to design, source and develop marketing materials for a particular product. The US market is ten times larger than Canada and the UK market is at least two times the size Sorry, I've got my comments in the wrong place. I hope that makes sense. So by marketing in all three countries simultaneously, I'm able to increase my market presence by 12 times without much additional work. So my question is about SEO for marketers who are operating in multiple countries. One thing I've learned about search rankings while serving the Canadian market is that it helps to use a country-specific domain name because Google will elevate your website in the localised search results. So while my competitors use .com domains and try to appeal to the whole world, I use .ca domains and tell Google through Webmaster Tools that I'm only targeting Canada. This signifies to both visitors and Google that I'm located in Canada, and as a result, I get higher search rankings and better conversion rates. So what I'm wondering is whether it makes sense to take the same web content and marketing materials and make three separate websites. One.ca website, one.com website, and one.co.uk website. Of course, by putting the same content on three different domains, I'm introducing a triplicate content problem, which might be bad from an SEO perspective. Also, I would be splitting incoming links across three domains, making it harder to build up up links. On the other hand, by using country-specific domains, I would probably get better search rankings in those geographical markets, and also it would help to localise content and present it in a way that customers will be comfortable with. I think that customers will spend more time on a website if they know they are dealing with a business in physical proximity to them, as prices will usually be in their currency. Shipping won't be too expensive, and they won't have to deal with customs and duties. So what would you do in this case? Would you put the same content on the three country-specific domains, or would you put it on one domain with subsections for customers in each market? Thanks for the advice, for your thoughts. Oh, thanks, sorry, thanks in advance for your thoughts.
2: Brilliant. So yeah, no, very good at illustrating some of the quandaries of international SEO there. Um, and one, you know, that we've been doing more and more multinational and multilingual SEO over the last year or so at Site Visibility is one that is a common question and a common quandary, And you've kind of done a really good job of identifying the issues there. Now, if you're dealing with um, the kind of um, problem where you're going after multiple um, websites in multiple countries that are essentially using the same language, so Canadian, sorry, Canada, um, America and England all speaking variations of English it then becomes a bit more difficult. It's, it's easy to understand. My advice normally is, if you're targeting different languages, you have a different website for them. So you put your .frs for France, um, you know, .des for Germany, and so on and so forth. That's the, the way that you structure them. Now, what do you do if you've got the same content? Now, my general preference is to have separate domains for separate countries because you can override any hosting that you've got that might be all hosted in the U.S., And it kind of, like you say, performs better in those individual search engines. However, if you're using the same content, the duplicate content is going to far outweigh... The downsides of the duplicate content is going to far outweigh any of the upside of using the specific country domain. So unless you're going after Canada, Australia... Sorry, well, Australia applies the same, but Canada, um, the UK and America... um, and you're going to use separate websites. You've got to have entirely separate content. It's got to be rewritten. It's got to be localized, and it's got to be, um, you know, ha- build up their own links um, for each of those websites. So if it's about saving time and taking the content and effort that you've already um, produced um, to open yourself up to a slightly bigger audience, I would maybe go down to the .com and have a slash Canada slash US slash UK option there, um, but prefer the separate domains but it requires more time and more resource to do that.
1: That's a surprisingly quick answer to such a long question.
2: Well, I think the reason it's a simple um, answer is because, you know, much of the the whys and wherefores there are kind of explained in the question. Mm. It's a tough one. Um, And I think you'll probably, people will generally realise this with the Q&As. Most times with something that's a more complex SEO issue or more complex internet marketing issue, it's very rarely a yes, no. There's no right or wrong. Mm. Um, there's normally kind of whys and wherefores and weighing up the options. And if you've got the time to do it the, the right way, do it the right way. If you've not got the time to do it the right way, you know, you've got to do it in a not quite so perfect way.
1: Right. The next question is from David Garden from Australia down under. I won't try and do an Aussie accent, but he has written it in a very Aussie way. OK. I shall read it literally in my um, best verbatim accent. Verbatim. Good day, Kelvin. From the land of the convicts, crocodile Dundee, Steve Irwin, and kangaroos. So Sounds about that accurate, yeah. This must not be Belgium then. Yeah, Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months. You provide a wealth of useful information, and I enjoy the relaxed manner in which Andy and yourself present. Well done. We would read out questions if people weren't complimentary at the
2: beginning. <laughs> it just is quite nice that people tend to be, you know, if they were to say, we really don't like your show, but I'm asking a question anyway, we would still read them
1: out. You know, it's not we only choose the people who are nice to us, honest. Mm. David continues. <clears throat> I would like to know if you have had success with your pay with a tweet experiment linked to downloads of your ebook brackets which by the way is excellent apart from the grammar and spelling mistakes oh, it's free you can't complain about the odd <laughs> grammatical mistake in it i am considering doing the same with my soon to be released ebook so i would be so i would like to learn from your experience thanks mate david garden
2: yeah no, it's interesting so uh, just for recap if you're a new listener i released a ebook probably four months or so ago now, um, called Becoming a Clockwork Pirate, which was at clockworkpirate.com. It was about link building. Now, what was interesting about that was it was free, but it wasn't entirely free. It wasn't completely free. You couldn't just go there and download it. Now, normally what people do when they say things are free like that is they capture an email address. Um, Well, that's not what we did in this case. We did a kind of... You get the book for free if you share it on Facebook or Twitter. And we used... Um, pay with a tweet initially but switch to Cloud Flood um a later date afterwards, which essentially does the same thing. So exchanges a social mention for a piece of a digital asset. Now there were some interesting things that we learned in the process of that. Now the first is um if you want to just get it out to as many people as possible, it probably isn't the best way of doing it. Now it does work for an ebook. You know my concern was if you made it just a PDF that people could download or a you know an ePub file that they can read on their iPad. Um, and it was free to download, no capture, no nothing. We didn't get anything from them. We're just hoping that they share that naturally. You do have a bit of a problem because I know for a fact that a good chunk of the people, you know, that you know, the thousands of people that downloaded the book, not all of them are going to read it. Some of them are probably going to start. Not all of them are going to finish. Now, if you're then waiting for them to finish it before they then share it, you're gonna. It's going to hit a, hit a wall there, and they're not going to share it in the same way, shape, or form. However even though that tweet is a it isn't, it's not like asking 10 pound or 50 pound or whatever to download the book. It does stop people. And there is a bounce rate of people who go to the site and don't, you know, don't share it and don't download it. So it does act as an, uh, kind of an impair there. Now the standard approach is the email one. Um, and a lot of people use this kind of a, as a classic link building, um, sorry, list building tactic, whereby you go, okay, you give something away for free, then you've got their email address and then you can then either promote to them at a later date or, you know, a lot of people in the kind of seedier ends of internet marketing use it to kind of then sell other courses and eBooks that cost lots of money that they're not worth and that kind of thing as well. Now, I didn't want to go down that route. You know, I'm, you know, I'm doing this to share our knowledge and to promote. The podcast and promote site visibility, the company I work for. So, it, you know, we felt that it was better to kind of share it. And the pay of tweet was good because it meant that for every person who downloaded my book, potentially they were telling all of their followers on Twitter and Facebook. And that got us further. So, it's kind of a weighing up of options and, and what your goals are. Make it entirely free. Um, it could spread a lot wider. You could get tens of thousands of downloads I could have got potentially if it had got picked up. But it's a bit hit and miss as to whether people will actually share it or not you don't know for definite you have the same problem if you're taking in an email list but you get greater long-term value so you might not get as many people downloading it as you would do if it was free but once you've got their email address there's potential there's an opt-in there you've got a permission-based list where you can kind of do all that you know jazz with those people there so there's a value to that now this paper tweet i did it because i was interested to see what would happen. Um, and it can work really well as to virally spread an idea or concept. But you have to be prepared that you're losing people who don't have Twitter accounts, who don't have Facebook accounts, or who can't sign into Facebook if they're at work, say. You know, they can download your book, but they couldn't sign into Facebook or Twitter. Um, so, yeah, there, there's pros and cons. And it was an interesting experiment, and one I probably would repeat. Um, but it depends what your goals are. Is it to build a list? Is it to talk to as many people as possible? Or is it to kind of get your name known? And for me, it was getting my name known. So therefore, the pay the tweet model worked quite well.
1: What did the graph look like, Kelvin? The, the the actual sort of was there a big sort of lump at the front and it sort of tailed off?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it was a, there was a big peak over the first three or four days, tailed off quite quickly mm. after that because, like I say, it was the people da- so every person who downloaded it shared it, which then led to more people. It was it was interesting mm. how you could see kind of a cascade effect of that. Yeah, and there have been small spikes in the past afterwards where other people, you know, like someone who's got some credibility downloads it and then you get like a like a ripple effect from that big spike again, when I did a big blog post on e-consultancy that sort of was based around the book as well. So that led to kind of quite a a download. But what surprised me is the fact that like even now with no real active promotion of it, it still kind of gets downloaded. And I suppose that must be podcast listeners doing that who go off and and download it. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting model. Um, I think if I were to do it again, I'd probably, you know, probably longer term, the email list is, is useful um but you know it's a it's, it's about what you're trying to achieve and for me it was as much about spreading the knowledge contained within the book and i felt actually personally i don't like put my email address into things i'd prefer to put my twitter details in so
1: when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: For me, it seemed less, but different people have a different opinion
1: on that. And the URL again is ah,
2: copyrightpirate yeah, yeah, <laughs> dot com. I mean, people. It's just, it, a lot of the topics we cover in there are stuff that we've talked about in the podcast. But um, and it's interesting as well that I do think you do get a bias in people. So people that listen to podcasts perhaps are different people to who read blogs mm. or read books and that type of thing. So it's you know it's you know, it's, it's, it's it's topics that we talk about and it, it's I think. Well, a lot of these things, if you're if you're doing them for a living, you've got to be prepared to make experiments. And sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. I think this one was kind of an interesting one. It's taught me that um, I, I think if you were doing a competition and to enter they had to tweet something, and you get this a lot, I think the pay-the-tweet one could be a really good way of doing that.
1: Right, let's move on. Moving swiftly on, another, another uh, tome-like question, uh, this time from Jed Felix. Yes. Uh, the subject is... Can I re can I convince you to become a premium member? Hi Kelvin, I have a question for you. How much time and effort should you spend on discovering what the best keywords are for your business if you don't feel as though uh, you really fit into a particular niche? I'm currently rebuilding my website, implementing lessons learned over the last few years. I'm using, quote, alternative clothing brand, quote, on the current incarnation of my site. I want to expand that to, quote, UK made alternative clothing brand, quote, for the rebuild with the aim of differentiating myself from the mass-produced brackets and often cheap brackets alternative clothing that's out there some of my customers are from the fetish scene others from the goth slash cyberpunk scene and i get people who are from no particular subculture buying from me too however my products are often out of the financial reach of the largely young demographic of the alternative clothing market brackets, teenagers who are wanting to rebel or fit in with their peers, brackets. And I don't want to alienate people who are scared of the word fetish. Current analytics analytics stats include 1,671 visits March-April, brackets, 51% through search engines, 34% through referring sites, and the rest, direct traffic, brackets, with a bounce rate of 56.1%. And one conversion through the website, brackets, plus another two generated through Facebook, and, and more still through trading at events, brackets. I'm aiming on promoting the rebuilt website a lot more than I'm promoting the existing incarnation. The rebuilt site will include a lot more customer engagement features, brackets, brackets. For, for example, alpha user points to encourage my existing customer base to add content and also help drive traffic to my site, brackets. I'm also producing product videos. I'm going to start saying brackets uh-huh. <laughs> because there are loads of brackets here. 30 seconds to a minute long uh, that I will not only embed on the rebuilt site, but will also upload with links to the specific product pages to both YouTube and Facebook. I do a lot of direct marketing face-to-face at events that I trade at, and I'm aiming on on having a MailChimp form QR code um, on my new flies to encourage offline-slash-online integration. I'm keywording each of my individual product pages on the Rebuild site. And we'll be adding SEO'd articles on topics around alternative subculture and fashion, as well as working on quotes, how to measure the female body quotes, and quotes, how to measure the male body quotes videos. Um, Do you think I should stick with the UK made alternative clothing brand? Uh, do you think I'm heading in the right direction with my other strategies? Uh, sorry for the brain dump. Uh, yeah, that's, that's your department, isn't it, Kelvin? Um, I hope there can be some useful content you can generate from my question for a site Visibility podcast. Kind regards, Jed Phoenix of London, who I presume is from London.
2: Yes, yes. No, no, good question there, um, Jed. Now, I can see where um, you're coming from and trying to... N- You're concerned about associating the products that you're making particularly with a particular subculture that might alienate other potential customers there as well. Um, So you wouldn't want to necessarily describe your clothes as fetish clothes or goth clothes or or, or whatever it is there. But unfortunately, you have to be pragmatic about where the search volume actually is. Um, Now, I would be, not having done the keyword research, but I would go into a tool like Google AdWords Keyword Tool and type in your term and see what the search volume is. Now, first of all, Make sure you choose exact as an option rather than broad because when broads on it kind of you know makes connections to other keywords and the the two variations you were talking about there, u k alternative clothing and Made I've got through the emails yeah, I, <laughs> I would be concerned with both of those, both the 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 one you're currently targeting and the one you're going after. That I would be very surprised if there's more than, you know, dozens of people searching for that on a month by month basis. You need to go for terms where there's actually some significant search volume there. Now, it will make them more competitive, but you need to we've been doing some Graham, who comes on the show occasionally, has been doing some really interesting stuff with us at Site of Visibility at the moment in terms of some predictive modelling. Mm. Um, because you can look at like what the search volumes are and we kind of then got a bit of a formula to make them look a bit more like what the search volumes actually are um, because Google overestimate by quite a substantial amount on those keyword phrases that they're making the suggestions of what the volume is um, and then you can say okay well if you're in position 10 you'd get this click-through rate if you're in position 9 you get this click-through rate and then almost then taking it to the next stage again so in your case Judge um, um, you might know that um, that you get a uh, you said you had a bounce rate of 50% there, so you say, okay, well, immediately 50% of the people who visit the site aren't going to do anything, so you then got the active visitors of the site, you then would know, okay, well, what the conversion rate is, and you probably might know what the average order value is, and you can start to say, okay, well, in order to make, you know, a £1,000 a month from my website, I need to get... Um, this amount of purchases and to get that amount of purchases I need this amount of visitors and to get that amount of visitors I need to go after keywords that have this amount of search volume Mm. Um, and you know that would be the way that I would go so my gut feel is that the subculture names and some of the keywords related to them so like goth clothing or cyberpunk clothing or cyberpunk um, you know you know and then individual products I would have thought probably have the search volume there and Perhaps that will alienate a few of the people who aren't searching in that way, but um, you kind of need to go where the volume is, um, and that would be my concern about the keywords that you were suggesting there, that um, if there's not people searching for it, it doesn't matter how high you rank for it. You can rank number one for a phrase that no one's searching for, and it doesn't matter. It's better to rank 10 or 8 for a term that's got some volume
1: because then you will get some traffic as a consequence of that. Okay, hope that was helpful, Jed. Right, moving on. Uh, a nice, relatively short question here from Mark Lawrence. Um, hi, Kelvin. Hi, Andy. I have a question about sitemaps that I wanted to run by you. I have a main website at www.mywebsite.com. That's not a real website, I think. <laughs> uh, and I have a WordPress website installed in a subfolder for my blog called www.mysite.com/slash blog. I've been using Google Analytics on the main websites, and I thought it would work if I used the same code uh, in the blog website. Um, I'll know in a couple of days if this works, but what confuses me is how the sitemaps will work. My w- main website dynamically creates a sitemap, uh, which I've added to my Google Webmaster Tools, and I wanted to know if by using a WordPress plugin sitemap generator, is it enough to also add this sitemap to the Webmaster Tools, or do I need to do something clever like reference 1 from the other for example uh, once again many thanks for all your podcasts over the years i've learned so much from you guys mark now didn't we have a very similar question yeah it's, it's com- yeah it's a common
2: um query around how to handle sitemaps when you've mm. got like two different types of site um so yeah the answer to that is that it is possible um the analytics one you can use the same code and that'll be fine he'll, he'll have known now because he asked the question a while ago but that you know if anyone's interested. As long as it's all on the same domain and it's just subfolders, add the same code. And even if they're run on different content management systems, it's not a problem. Now, what you need to do here is if you've got two different content management systems, both of which are automatically generating a sitemap that you can, an XML sitemap that you can upload to Google, mm. that's okay. But what I would suggest is the simple solution to this is you create a XML sitemap that sits at your domain forward slash sitemap.xml and it contains two pages. It contains a link to the one for the um, the main site and the one for the blog site and then that's the way that you do that because there is actually a, a theoretical limit I can't remember I think it's a thousand URLs but um, don't quote me on that that you can if your page is bigger than that you need to have multiple sitemaps anyway so having two sitemaps as long as they're both linked to from the, the location is fine so what I would do is have your two different sitemaps one might be um, so you'd have Um, yourdomain.com forward slash sitemap.xml, which links to two pages. One of those pages is um, yourdomain.com forward slash mainsitemap.xml, and you link to that one, and that's an XML sitemap. And then you have the other one that's generated through the WordPress plugin. So does does that sort of make sense, Andy? So you have... I'm just trying to visualize it in my head, actually. (laughs) So yeah, the way it works is you just have um, almost like a, a contents page, and then those pages that that fit under that there, and as long as um, Webmaster Tools knows where the contents page is, they'll go down and see the pages below that as well. Cool. So yeah, and a good thing to do XML sitemaps. Um, what I would say is I do. I, I don't know if I mentioned this when we were last talking about them, but it does. But it give me a you know a bit of a. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine where people will go to like XML sitemap generator tools and put their site in, generate an XML sitemap and say, hey, isn't that great? Now, all those tools have done is followed the links on your site like Google would have done. The only way that an XML sitemap can be useful to you and worth doing from an SEO perspective, to help you get pages indexed that are buried within the site that you can't find, is to use one that your content management system generates. So it needs to be one that's part of wordpress or one that's part of the you know the content management system that you're using or generated by hand um, with a list of pages that you've got and you can hand code them it's not a complicated um you know markup language xml it's actually mm. really simple um you know like even to the extent that i can kind of understand it and i'm pretty useless to these kind of things so um don't just go to a sitemap generator
1: put in your url and rely on what that outputs because that's not going to do any better than google would have done anyway Interesting stuff. So are you saying then that the content management system is the only thing that truly knows where the deep well, it, pages are? Well, it, it,
2: yeah. I mean, if you created them with the content management system, they, mm. they must be there in the database somewhere. Yeah. So you want to be generating it from your database rather than from your navigation. Because if it's from your navigation and the page is orphaned or hidden away, then doing, it's kind of like, oh, I wonder how I can tell Google how to do it better by using a, an inferior version of Google to determine what pages are there. And it, it just wouldn't work.
1: Oh well, from getting carried away with sitemaps to getting carried away physically, we better call it a day there. Uh, that was that was a smooth segue. Yeah, wasn't I it? like it. You should work in local radio, Andy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, luckily I've got a face for radio. I've been told. Uh, by me too. People. Yeah, me too. Um, yes, yeah, so that's it. So it's goodbye for me, Andy White, and goodbye from me, Kelvin Newman. And I apologise for making that noise there. That was me rubbing my I'm stroking also, my laptop. Yeah, so should we just do some sound effects here as well? And that's Kelvin just being silly with a glass of water. So, yes, goodbye for me and goodbye for Kelvin, and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the Internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org, where you'll find show notes, links, and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus 441273256150. If you're inside the UK, it's o one two seven three two five six one five zero. And you can leave a voice, comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing.